0: Ye Mouna. You're listening to Caro Caramon TV, Caro Caramon, the English version. Caro Caramon is a podcast about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. I'm your host, Patra M., and today I'm presenting you my guidebook on the representation of slavery in French cinema and television. It's a six part series, and this is episode five. <laughs> Precedently, in Kerouké Ramon Yvie, I presented you steps 1, 2, 3, and 4 of my guidebook on the representation of slavery in French cinema and television. Step 1 was the importance of temporal contextualization. Most films and series about slavery are set in the 19th century, and in French cinema and television, the narrative is centered only on the late 18th century and the first half of the 19th century, which means the narrative around slavery doesn't cover how the system began and how it collapsed. Step two was the importance of spatial contextualization. The fact that films and TV shows are never specific about Europe being the place leading the transatlantic trade creates a distance and a lack of awareness on why our country and why the world are the way they are right now. Step three was about how these films and series struggle to humanize black people. Step four was how these films and series also do everything to humanize white people and the particularity of French cinema and television is to remove free people of color out of the representation. So today we're going to talk about the representation of the power dynamics between black people and white people in this film and TV shows about slavery. This is a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about the representation of the physical violence and torture that enslaved black people had to endure. And I totally understand if you don't want to listen to that. So you can stop the episode now. And I thank you for listening. Before I start, I just want to let you guys know that this was supposed to be the final step. I had another topic planned for episode six, but there are so many things I wanted to say about the representation of violence that I decided to break it down into two parts for one for episode five and, and part two will be episode six. I finished the French version of this special edition on May the 20th of 2020. And although I was very adamant about posting the English version the following week, I couldn't, and we're like nearly two months later. I apologize for that, but it's just that talking about this topic is mentally exhausting and the protests in the US, in France and all around the world in May and June were a lot to process and this issue of fighting to make society understand that black lives matter. It's, it's a lot. This fight that we are leading right now, it's about making people, it's about forcing people to open their eyes on the fact that they don't see us as human beings. And when I say us, I'm really talking specifically about black people. It hurts. I ain't gonna lie, it hurts, but the ancestors fought for us, so we're going to keep fighting for the next generations too, so they don't have to fight anymore. They shouldn't have to. And this is also what Karaké Ramon is about. It's to show how strong the cultural resistance from the Caribbean still is today, and yet You wouldn't know if you look at the French mainstream media. When talking about slavery, they always talk about what happened in the U.S. as if the French Caribbean isn't a direct result of colonialism and slaveryism, as if people like me who are, who are from Guadeloupe, Martinique, Guyana, And on the other side of Africa, you have Réunion Island. We aren't the living proof of this system implemented through violence. Slavery as a system needs violence to function. Regardless if we're talking about films and TV shows from France, from the US, from the UK, or from Brazil, they always, always represent violence on black people. It's like... The writers and the directors are scared to be called out on the lack of quote-unquote authenticity if they don't show this violence on black bodies in a very realistic way. So yeah, of course, cinema offers more room to operate than television, but the goal is always the same. It's to show how horrible slavery was. In order to show this violence, you need the torturer and the victim. In theory, it should be easy to identify who the torturer is and who the victim is between the white master and the enslaved black person, in theory. Now, when it comes to actually representing these dynamics, the question remains, which point of view do you use if you want to humanize the black character and if you care about not dehumanizing the white character? And by that I mean, how do you operate for all white characters not to be seen as monsters? So, the first storytelling strategy to talk about the violence in slaveryism it's to use the weeping scene. That's probably the number one stereotype in the representation of slavery on screen. A black character being whipped. You'd see the lacerations on the skin left by the whip. You'd see blood. You'd see the face deformed by pain. And again, it's like film directors are scared that the viewers would think that slaveryism wasn't that horrible if they don't get to see this kind of torture scene filmed that way. These whipping scenes show how black people were dehumanized, but their outcome can go in two different directions. Either the black character claims back agency and control over its own body. Either the black character is seen totally submissive and with no agency over its own body. By now, I think you already know the two main French fictions I usually talk about. Number one, it's *Beta Tropics* broadcast in 2007, and number two is *Ebony Wood* broadcast in 2016. *Beta Tropics* is option one of representation. You see the black character claiming back agency. Looking at the French approach in general, *Beta Tropics* is really a paradox. It does show how violence is everywhere in the habitation, but it still manages to blend it into the background. So you don't feel like it's so hard to live there. You don't feel like violence is a constant element in the lives of the characters. Koyaba is a bossal, which means an African person born in Africa and deported to the Caribbean. In all his scenes at the Habitation, we can see him sitting on the ground, his feet confined in the stocks, so we know he can't move, he's being punished. However, all his scenes are shared with Adele, the black female lead of the story. So the camera focuses more on their upper body to show how affectionate They are toward each other despite the fact that they can't communicate because Coyaba doesn't speak French nor Creole. And the only time we see Coyaba up and on his feet is when he's put at the pillory. Olympe, the mistress, the white mistress, wanted to punish Adèle for visiting Coyaba. So Coyaba pushed Olympe away from Adèle. Technically, the code noir gave master Théophile Bonaventure the right to kill Koyaba. All through the series, we see that Théophile is a short-tempered man. He easily hit other white men, white women, enslaved the black woman, but he never hits enslaved a black man. Toward the end of the series, he whips a free man of color, but it's the only time we see him exercising physical violence toward a black man. When he's supposed to punish Koyaba, he delegates to someone else. And this someone else is Jacques, the overseer. And Jacquet starts whipping Koyaba. Somehow Koyaba manages to break off his chains and he runs away. So here the pillar we seen drop is used to overturn the power dynamics, the viewers literally see koyaba getting back control over his own body i think it's where to use this drop with that perspective only two other examples come to my mind if you have other don't hesitate to share so the first example is from the miniseries underground however the the enslaved black character exercises her power on her body by submitting herself to the punishment in order to protect her young brother. So she stands strong regardless of being whipped on her forearms. And let's also and let's also point out that she's biracial and she is a house slave. This scene alone is enough to deconstruct the idea that house slaves weren't subjected to violence like field slaves were. Anyway, that's another point. The second example of the weeping trap being re- being reversed is in the is in Beloved, the film adaptation of Toni Morrison's novel. The character builds its sense of self despite the marks on its back. So it's like even if the character wears. The marks of this violence, it can still uh, the, the, the ex enslaved the black character. I'm trying not to spoil it too much. The ex-enslaved the black character still manages to become uh, its own person, if that makes sense. The whipping scene is to dehumanize the black character and reaffirm the power of the white character. It's about showing the physical pain in the moment and not so much the psychological and physical consequences afterwards. This is the trap Ebony Wood uses. Yanka and Tohiki, the two enslaved black characters get whipped for trying to run away. So we don't get to see their backs, but we do hear the whip. And we see their faces. In *Beta Tropics, Jacquet the Caribbean Overseer is the one doing the punishment. In Ebonywood, it's a Black Overseer who whips Yonka at the pillory. My problem here isn't the fact that there's a Black Overseer and I'm calling the character an Overseer just because... I don't know any other word, I'm not familiar with the different statuses within the English vocabulary. And that's exactly my point, it's very hard to figure it out. Historians already explain that some enslaved black people or free people of color could help manage the, the other enslaved black persons on a plantation or on a habitation. However, there's a need to, constec- to contextualize such situations. Otherwise, the viewers is distracted with the visual of quote-unquote black-on-black violence instead of focusing on who is responsible for this situation, the white master. So we move to the next scene. There's no transition. Soriki lies on the ground and his master whips him on his back. The whole weeping sequence lasts for 1 minute and 40 seconds. We hear and see black bodies being tortured on screen for 1 minute and 40 seconds. On one hand, Yonka's master is nowhere to be found in the punishment scene. On the other hand, we see Toriki's master because he's the one doing the punishment. And this is the perfect example of the power dynamic within the representation of violence in slavery. Not showing the white master in scenes like this is to humanize him. It's to say He is not that bad compared to some other white masters. Look how cruel that other one white master is. So this whipping trap always have the white character holding the power over the black character and you can really see that when a white character is being whipped. First of all, a white character being whipped rarely happens in fiction. Let's not in fictions about slavery. Let's not forget that these stories take place in times in which whipping children was considered to be okay. So it wouldn't be that unrealistic to see a white character being whipped once in a while and yet it's not a trap. And it's so much not a trap that when a white character does get whipped, the camera preserves the white body. There's a scene like that in Ebony Wood. It's when they're on the ship from Africa and they go to Guadeloupe. An African woman commits suicide and some of the sailors get whipped because it means they lost money. The camera never shows the face nor the full body of the white character being punished. We get a glimpse of his back and his arm but that's it. For about 50 seconds This scene focuses on the reactions of the black people in chains and the white sailors standing around the other white sailor being whipped. My point is there are ways to film the whipping scene trop without focusing on the body being whipped. My question is why filmmakers are always so straightforward when it comes to showing black bodies being tortured, but not when it comes to showing white bodies. That's why I like to point out that the Underground miniseries steps away one more time from the traditional representation of the whipping scene. Not only does it have a white character being whipped, but the whipping is done by a runaway slave, and it is filmed like it would be usually filmed for a black character. And the white character does not complain, doesn't try to seek revenge. The white character shows resilience like black people are usually expected to show. My last example of this representation of violence to prove that it's always the white character who keeps the power this last example would be from brazil the most popular telenovela in the 90s was dona beija if you don't know it i'll give you more details in the next episode but just know that it was broadcast in brazil in 1986 and it became widely popular in the non-american countries in the 90s just to give you an idea it was so popular in guadeloupe that my grandmother even called her dog beija Regardless of the fact that the dog was male and Beja was a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, the last arc of the TV show is set off by a scene in which Donna Beja gets beaten up by two black men. Donna Beja is a rich white courtesan and she gets beaten up by two black men. I don't know if they were enslaved but These men were sent by her former fiancé and love of her life who wanted to punish her. In this scene, a white woman is being whipped and hurt by a black character. Now, you need to know that this TV show had no problem at all. And I really mean absolutely no problem at all showing black characters being whipped, being hurt by white characters. When you see the blood and everything, and it's a TV show, okay? It's not cinema, it's a TV show. Yet here, the camera focuses on the face of Dona Beja, so we don't actually see what's happening to the rest of her body, and the character's emotions and body are preserved. I skimmed through the telenovela to prepare this podcast, and the representation of violence against black bodies made me quite uncomfortable. I don't recall watching these scenes back in the nineties when I was a child. How come I don't remember such representation? Either it was so traumatic that my brain erased the memories or the French podcaster decided to edit this scene out and they were never shown on French television, which would make sense considering that telenovelas are marketed toward black people and these telenovelas basically show how European colonizers made black people suffer. Honestly speaking, to me, Brazilian telenovelas are the most explicit TV shows about the physical violence against enslaved black people. I mean, at least the telenovelas from the 20th century take the opening credits of 1976 A Escrava Isaura and its remake in 2004. The concept is a sequence of different drawings showing scenes of the daily lives of the people from the 18th century. The two opening credits are very similar, but the 2004 opening credits removed many drawings that represented black people being tortured. I mean, if you just watch episode one of Chica da Silva, that was broadcast in 1996... You'll see how physical and sexual violence on black bodies are so normalized in telenovelas. So, at the end of the day, the whip may hurt everybody the same way, but the power dynamic doesn't change, regardless of the country. The narrative is based on preserving white bodies while showing openly black bodies getting hurt over and over again. The challenge for filmmakers or TV show makers shouldn't be to be as hardcore as possible to be quote-unquote authentic. The challenge should be also to reflect on the aftermath of such treatment on the mind and body of these people. In the film Twelve Years a Slave, director Steve McQueen does use this representation of physical violence to highlight this power dynamic on a systemic level and on an individual level. I'm thinking about the scene where Patsy, Epps, Epps is the white master. Epps wants to whip her. Epps' wife stays in the background, cheering him on in a steady and calm way. It's almost hypnotic. At first, Epps can bring himself to hurt Patsy, so he delegates the task to Solomon who obeys, but the acting makes it very clear that Solomon tries to spare her as much as he can. Ebbs gets irritated that Solomon doesn't hurt Patsy as much as Epps wants him to. So Ebbs finally takes the whip and starts whipping Patsy. This one scene shows every aspect at work in the power dynamic. Films and TV shows about slavery normalized white men inflicting physical violence, but I think it's important to be reminded that the cool and composed attitude of Ebb's wife is the usual trope to represent how white women actively helped colonialism and how they were gatekeepers of the slavery system. The white mistress character reveals exactly how well the system, the violence they are capable of, and the violence enslaved the black people can show in response. This is what we'll talk about in the final episode of this special edition. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Karukeramont. Don't hesitate to share the podcast around you. You can give me five stars on Apple podcast to give Karukeramont more visibility. See you in the next episode. red.